What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast. I'm excited you joined me today because we have a very special guest today. We are lucky to be joined by Zach Montroy. Zach is a cool cat. I can't wait for you to meet him. He is the founder and CEO at the Intention Collective and a leadership team coach with over 20 years of experience in executive roles. Zach's passion for helping leaders expand their impact and build trust has led him to focus his efforts on helping entrepreneurs scale and grow their businesses. Man, we're lucky to have him. I can't wait to glean as much as we can off of his experience and his journey. So let's cue the intro and we'll jump right in. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, aka your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. Zach, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I love the podcast. Thanks for all the work that you all are doing. Thank you. We love it too. And we love having great guests like you join us and share with us your journey and your experience. And that being said... Everybody here on the show knows that I love to start with going into your backstory because it is not a fun journey unless we can understand that you too went through some of the things that all of us out here are going yes. through to get to where you're at. So never straight line. Let's start from the beginning. How in the world did you get to this point? Well, I love I love that you start there. I love asking people stories and love getting to hear people's stories. And yeah, I'm happy to share mine. I grew up. Uh, I know <laughs> I've heard a lot of your guests. I'm like, where do I start in this story? I don't want to make it too long, but uh, this is kind of a pivotal part of my story. I grew up in a pretty lower middle-class family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and knew that, you know, I was going to have to work if I wanted to go to college. And so at 14, you could get your work permit. And wow. so went to the mall because I thought, you know, <laughs> we have a job at the mall. Uh, it'd be fun. Worked for a KB toy store it was a crazy journey and it's crazy that it started there, but got promoted into leadership roles at like 16 at 17 years old. I was running a store myself, had a staff that I was working with. Um, obviously probably questioned the judgment of whomever made that decision for a 17 year old. Um, but their idea of prepping you for leadership was to watch these VHS tapes and um, like that was their leadership development strategy. And, you know, I knew then I did not want to work retail the rest of my life. So saved up, went to college, um, had uh, had to work full time, got promoted pretty early on and worked for this terrible, terrible boss. Um, I wonder if he'll be listening. Probably not. But uh, he his leadership <laughs> advice was always sit in a higher chair than everyone else in the room, because then they would know that you're in control and you're in charge and got fired from that job because <laughs> I found out he was embezzling money. Oh my gosh. And so like crisis, right? Like I'm, I'm not even done with college yet and I've gotten fired from my first job and then got to work for some amazing leaders and some amazing organizations. 
and really was mentored and uh, invested in and given a lot of tools along the way and really taught that leadership was not about me. Leadership was about the people that I got to serve. And so got to serve in a variety of different roles and always said I would never be an entrepreneur. I loved working with entrepreneurs, um, but I was not going to create my own thing. Like I was really good. I was a really good number two. Uh, you know, coming alongside the vision and creating the plan and strategy and people and was got to lead some really cool organizations. But, uh, you know, I was what I loved about it was developing teams. I love developing people and uh, got the opportunity to do that. And, you know, about six years ago, stepped into the consulting world, the challenge of, you know, getting to work with multiple organizations. But really what what you know and, and i think all of us as entrepreneurs have that popeye moment right you know i've had all i can stands i can't stands no more and what i saw in the consulting world was working with all these entrepreneurs and they're saying you know thanks for coming in every 90 days but i need someone to to not tell me what to do but to actually help me do the work right and so i said well why can't we pair fractional leadership and you know, consulting, helping businesses create a, a vision and strategy and execute that with um, purpose and excellence. And so that's where the Intention Collective was born. Uh, so that's kind of my, you know, entrepreneur story. I've uh, created something because I saw a need. And, you know, along the way that, you know, met my wife, we've adopted our three boys. And, you know, part of my entrepreneur story as well is, you know, creating, you know, place that maybe my kids want to work one day. Right. Um, I've got a 10, nine-year-old and a six-year-old. Uh, wow. Our six-year-old runs our house. Um, but, you know, <laughs> just creating a place that that they may want to give, you know, their work lives to as well someday. If not, that's cool too. But that's, yeah, that's, that's really kind of the highlight, high level uh, of my story and what, what got us here. Oh my gosh, you left me so many amazing things to jump into and talk about. So I'm I'm excited to jump in. No stone left unturned. Here we go. Love it. You saw you talked about a really good being a really good number two. And I know that there are some people that are like, man, I'm running this business and I think I'd much rather be a good number two instead of the number one. So what was the what was that moment? What was the transition from from realizing, gosh, you know, I need to take over. I need to be in that number one spot. I need to be out of that number two, even though you knew you were a really good number two. Yeah, I and I think a big part of that is you know, for me, and I think for all of us is really discovering what is what's our distinct ability? Um, what is what is the highest and best use of our skills and abilities? And and honestly, I told myself the story for a lot of years, like I'm I'm just a number two, I don't want to be the, the one who's out in front. Because I thought that that's what the visionary seat was the CEO seat was. And it really was even a misnomer for me of what 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 does it mean to be an entrepreneur? What does it mean to be a leader? And and that's not necessarily always the case, right? That you that you got to be doing it alone. You got to be going at it alone. And for me, I am I'm much more you know strategically minded and really trying to connect the dots of you know different pieces. But that had been the role that was safe for me. 
that had been the role that, you know, I, I found a lot of enjoyment in, but most of all, like I knew I could do it. And I, you know, I think part of being an entrepreneur is, am I going to let the fear of the unknown um, drive who I am and what I'm doing? Or am I going to have the courage and vulnerability to step into this arena and say, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what this, what's going to happen here. I don't know what the future holds, which is the very definition of vulnerability. But, you know, we tell our kids all the time, you can be brave and afraid at the same time. And for me, like that was part of that journey. I felt, I saw this need. I felt moved and compelled to, to meet that need. I had talked to a bunch of friends and wise people along the way. And many of them who were like, dude, create this and I'll come and work for you, which I was like, I don't even have a company yet. How are you going to come work for me? <laughs> um, but that was what, that's what compelled me to do it. it. It was really just all those signs along the way that really, that guided me to that point. Wow. I love that. You know, you said the highest and best use of our skills. And I, and I wonder for all of our owners and entrepreneurs out there, there's a lot of people that have great vision. And I think this step through that fear of unknown that you talked about is such an important step because I, I hear all the time, oh, I had this idea, I had this vision. And, and then you go, well, what are you doing now? And they're like, well, I'm working in a bank or I'm an employee. I'm like, but you just told me about this cool vision. And they're like, ah, oh, you know, someday maybe I'll do it. And, and there's this interesting difference between those that have jumped in and taken the plunge to start to execute in that space. And I think it is that fear of the unknown. How, and what do you feel is would be your advice to to those that are like they're in the space they've already made the jump but they're they're definitely in that fear of the unknown and and taking that next step taking that next phase of action to really propel their business what would you tell them i you know i always go back to the roosevelt person in the arena quote right there's there's the the only error is the shortcoming of not stepping into the arena like no one has ever done anything great that you know wasn't mired by blood and sweat and tears and i think that that's such a great metaphor for us and you know i love that brene brown used that as the centerpiece of her work in dare to lead but there's there is no you know, if this, this arena metaphor is the, the, the metaphor for us getting to step out and step into courage and do something brave with our work and with our lives, like it requires our whole hearts, right? We have to have the courage to be vulnerable and put ourselves out there and be committed to getting it right, not being right. And I think living in that space of the unknown is really where the magic happens. And I think part of, part of the reason that we don't do that, or, you know, the, the, and I don't think it's fear that keeps us from doing that. I think it's armor and self-protectionism that right. keeps us from stepping into those moments of being brave. But I think part of it is like, we don't have the right people around us, right? We don't have the right people who are speaking life into us, who are challenging us, who are calling us on our BS. <laughs> um, and we don't have the people who are saying like, you, you got what it takes. Like you've, you're doing the work, you've done the work you're ready and I'm going to stand by you in this arena. And, and I think even having the courage to start asking and, 
you know, having those conversations with people is often really, really scary. But I mean, you know, being, being a courageous leader, like you're probably going to be brave and afraid at the same time all day, every day. Um, And I think, you know, going back to what you said there too, doing the work of self-awareness and understanding what, what is, what are our gifts what are our abilities? What am I uniquely gifted to do? And having a deep understanding of that also means I have a deep understanding of what I really suck at. And having the humility to bring people beside me who know better in those areas and who can contribute at a high level in those areas who I trust uh, to be able to partner with. Um, because it, I mean, it truly takes all of us giving to that and me serving them as their leader to empower them to use their gifts and abilities. Sure. Sure. Earlier, you mentioned something that, that really struck a chord, struck a chord for me. We oftentimes in recent days have heard a lot about having a fractional CEO. We've heard about having a fractional CFO and maybe even a fractional CMO, you know, and coming in for the marketing side, but talk to us a little bit about fractional leadership and, and, what that means to you and and what you've uh, started to do with that concept. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Well, we, we do a lot of work from the strategy side, you know, coming in and helping a team, you know, and this is sort of the every 90 day cadence. And if you've heard of, you know, EOS or scaling up or system and soul, there's a lot of different four disciplines of execution. There's sort of a lot of methodologies out there. There's a lot of wisdom in that, taking time to step outside of the day-to-day plan. You know, where is it that we want to be? Who is it that we want to be? What are we best in the world at? But, you know, if you've worked with any entrepreneurial organization, you know that when you look at their org chart or their accountability chart, there's always a seat or there's always someone who has their butt in three or four seats. So there's usually an opportunity to provide some expertise in leadership and really boots on the ground help to step inside the, the organization on a week to week basis with an owner to say, like, let us run your leadership meetings. Right. Why don't you participate in them? And why don't you let us own the you know chief people officer role or the chief operating officer role or the chief strategy officer or bring us in as a retained coach and we'll meet with your leadership team every week, every other week to really help pour jet fuel on this this strategy and be able to execute it. The the thing that hit me a couple of years ago is working with an owner and he said, Zach, I love these every quarter meetings, but what I'm really struggling with is I need someone who is going to help me navigate the 450 million things that are going to come up between, you know, January 2nd and March 30th that are going to create this whirlwind that are going to keep me and my team from accomplishing what we know is going to move the organization forward. And that to me was that moment of like, crap, we've got to create something here to help owners navigate all of the the whirlwind that happens on a daily basis. And, you know, being able to coach and, and step inside of that and be player coach with those leaders has really poured jet fuel on them being able to actually execute their strategy. Wow. It must be difficult to walk into a company and have to be able to then take over and start 
working with and talking to an executive team uh, and or the management of that entire team and not have uh, that be perceived as uh, dangerous for those people. So how do you guys overcome that? How do you uh, get through so that they feel that you're really on their side and not a threat to their position? That is a that is a really good question and not one that we are asked very often. And it's what is interesting, and you may or may not believe me, it, it is usually rarely the case that we step in and that is the perception. And if it is, we are really, really careful and very, very cautious around that for for the good of the team and good of the people. Because right. that's not like my, our job. We do not have a secret plan for your company. <laughs> None of the coaches on our team have a secret playbook that we are trying to install in your company. We fundamentally believe you have the answers. You have what it's going to take. You, you, you need help. You need a coach and someone who's going to help you think about and connect the dots and, and, and really push and challenge you know, you're thinking and where you're at because you're you're mired in the, the weeds of the day to day. Certainly, are there hard conversations that come out of that? Yes. And oftentimes those are with leadership team members. Those are oftentimes with owners of the company as well. But that's our job. Our job is not to create a, an environment where people don't feel safe. In fact, our number one job is to create help create psychological safety on the team. Um, because none of us can contribute at our highest and best if we don't feel safe. Um, so the, that's the work that we do immediately is really like, what's the story? Who's on the team? What are we motivated to do? What what are what have been the turning points in our organization? What can we learn from that? So really getting to know that the human component, everyone on the team uh, is a huge part of really trying to understand that and create that environment where they can um, function at their highest and best. And we make sure that they're in the right seats. Um, they have clarity around their role. We have clarity around goals. Um, but really believing people are doing their best is, I think, what drives a, a big part of who we are as a company. You know, in each company that you go into, uh, for a long time, I was uh, CEO of a software company. And each company has this unique energy to it. And I remember when I first uh, stepped into that position, the company atmosphere had kind of gone downhill and the energy was not in a good place. Mm. Uh, the organization and structure of what was going on wasn't quite right. And it was, it was a, a very large task to overcome. Mm. And let's pretend that you were to have joined me in that process. Mm. I came in, I'm running the operations, but you were brought in to help and to help make that change over. What would that look like? And what as a COO in that moment, when I was doing that, what would I be expecting from your team and how you guys would operate in that setting? I mean, I probably would have fired you on day one, Michael. Of I'm course. Just kidding. Totally. <laughs> you're out. You're out. You're done. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I, you actually just, I was like, oh, let's dig into that. But, you know, we, we might not have time, but I mean, <laughs> honestly, like my first question to you would be what, 
what have you seen that has changed? Like what you, you said you stepped in that we used to have a good culture. What have been the turning points in the last six, 12 months that you can look back at and say the culture really pivoted and it wasn't for the best? Um, what were those things along the way? So I'll put that out to you. Like what were, what, what did you kind of see as you looked back that really started pivoting the culture in a way that, you know, is really writing an, a more unhealthy story here? When I was brought into that position, there was uh, one particular leader in the overall group. And the mentality of the leader was to have separated the departments and very much um, singled out each department into their own entity. And you could see and feel that there was always a divide. And so that I noticed straight away. And, and it was... Uh, because of the structure that that this one particular leader had installed. And you could tell that there was dissension amongst the C-suite because some of them really loved him and had a long history with them. And some of them were ready to have him be gone. So they were in this, in this really challenging position. So that was kind of what, what I walked into. How, when you, when you kind of, started doing your assessment as a new COO, um, how would you rate, you know, that C-suite's um, level of trust and how, what was their acumen around actually addressing hard conversations with one another? At the time, it was very poor. Okay. They were a, what I would call a four-headed dragon. Mm. And, uh, you know, you had four owners, they all wanted to go different directions. They all had different beliefs about where everything was going. And yet they all understood that there was something going on wrong and they needed somehow to fix it. And I was coming in from an outsider's perspective. And so they, they looked to me to help. Mm. Yeah, I, th I mean, there's a lot of places I probably would start the the first would be really getting to know and understand the actual story of the organization right um you know so meeting with every person individually getting to hear their story and i mean i recently did this for a leadership team because they had a lot of shared history with one another and all had a completely different um retelling of the 20 years that they had been in existence as an organization so i think just having some commonality on story and then really to start helping diagnose like this is what trust looks like this is what trust doesn't look like um where do we need to work where do we need so really challenging and facilitating those conversations to make sure we have a good foundation of I mean, trust is the foundation, right? And in, in really helping leaders understand like what baggage am I bringing to these conversations? Am I, am I inwardly sound? Am I doing the work of self-leadership? Am I focused on the well-being of other people? And then we start to talk about who are we as an organization? Where are we going? So then we're going to start sniffing out the problems, right? Like this is going to start smoking out okay, if this is what we want to be in five years and, you know, George and Tom and Bill all have different answers. Okay. That's great. We can name that. We can talk about that. Now we got to get to an answer. We've got to have the healthy conflict and, and rumble on those conversations so that we can actually get to a point where we're communicating to the team, why we're making certain decisions, why certain things are actually important. 
the biggest hindrance to change management is people not understanding why we're making the change right. and understanding they're part of the change. And am I going to feel, am I going to be safe right. in this change as well? So, I mean, I probably would just rewind the tape and start like, we let's have a common understanding of where we're at, how we got to where we're at diagnosing some of these fundamental, you know, human skill components of how we're interacting with one another before we start even crafting where we want to go as an organization. I love it. That is so great. You're at 304 Or something like that. Uh, <laughs> no, I love it. That's really, uh, really great and sound insight. And, and I really want to go back just a little bit because you talked a little bit about offering to run meetings for some of the companies that you've gone and, mm -hmm. and worked for. And I want to dive into that meeting space because anyone who's been in any sort of corporate setting or any sort of team setting, when you get going, meetings turn into massive, massive uh, scope creep. Oftentimes there's uh, they're very poorly run. They're very poorly organized. And all of a sudden they start just eating up the time of all parties involved. So what do you guys do? And what's your suggestion as, as people are listening here to be able to keep your meetings uh, on track? And, and if you guys were to come and do it for one of our companies, like what would you do? Yeah, we, I, Yes, this is this has been a massive pet peeve of mine for a lot of years. I remember, you know, I, this was maybe 10 years ago, looking around the room in a meeting and, you know, as a COO, I knew how much everyone in the room made. And I remember stopping a very uh, ineffective, unproductive meeting and saying, this meeting is costing us $10,000 an hour. <laughs> and no one came prepared. What are we even talking about? Right. What's the point? And people are like, what do you mean it's costing us $10,000 an hour? And I'm like, I just add it up because I know roughly how much all of you made make right. that this is $10,000 an hour. And they're like, holy crap. Like we are really like no one really thinks about the cost of meetings. And I think meetings should save us time. Meetings should be so well, like something that is so well run that we are solving the, 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 the most important issues in the life of our business, especially for leadership teams, that this is like eliminating the like, you know, the, the woodpecker, the like pecking at people all week long that, you know, we got to solve this issue. So I got to go talk to this person and then go talk to this person. And then we got to make sure this person's on, on board. Like that's a massive waste of time in organization. So we uh, follow, we use the system and soul methodology um, for our operating system that we use within organizations. So we follow, um, we call it the weekly sync and we start with, you know, just a personal professional best. How are you feeling coming into our meeting today? I, if you've not read the book permission to feel by Mark Brackett, it's a great book. It has, he has a mood meter in there, but knowing how everyone's coming into the meeting as a leader really helps me. Um, are you on top of the world? Are you devastated about something that's happening? Like I, knowing the emotions that are showing up in the room is really, really helpful. Um, then we dig into, and in a lot of this will make sense as like pre like things that we're working with, but we're going to look at the scoreboard. You know, when we're looking at the, the, the most important metrics in the life of our com company, 
what what does the scoreboard look like? We're playing a game right now. I need to know what the score is. Um, what, uh, you know, as far as the, the most important objectives that we have happening this quarter, are they on track? Are they off track? What's happening with those? Who's responsible for those? What headlines around customers or employees do we need to dig into? So these are like pretty quick updates. Um, you know, and, and then we are looking at all of the things that we said in the last meeting that we were committing to getting done. Did they actually get done? Um, there's accountability that's built into that. And then we're going to use the rest of our time together. And usually this is about a 60 minute block for what we call opportunities and obstacles. Um, we are, you know, any issues that came up in those prior conversations of looking at the scoreboard or our quarterly objectives, I'm going to drop those opportunities or obstacles down to that list. And we're going to systematically um, as the meeting leader, I'm going to kind of rank those and talk and hopefully talk about the most important issues you know, earlier on so that we have time, but sort of systematically going through that. And that's where the, that's where the meat of the meeting is. That's where we're solving the most important issues for the company. We're talking about the most important opportunities that we have in front of us and getting alignment, passionately disagreeing with or debating with one another. But that way we're, we're doing it in the room. We're committed as we're leaving the room that we're going to go execute and you know we've we've got that alignment and we're working on bringing up the most important issues for us as a company at the same time yeah so our listeners out there are thinking gosh this sounds like this is a great fit and so if it was a great fit and they want to find out more and they want to know what it's like to work with you give me a little rundown of of what it would be like if they reached out and where they can reach out Yes, thank you. Uh, go to intentioncollective.co. And what we what you can do there is you can read all about our methodology and you can read all about who we are as an organization. But there is a link there you can click to book a free 45-minute coaching call. That'll be with me or one of our coaches. And we're just we're gonna simply have a conversation to understand you, hear the story of your business. And then understand where you're at. Where are you at with your company? Where 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 do you want to be? And then where are you at as a leader? Where are you spending your time? How many hours a week are you spending in your business? And are do you have the life that you want? Most of us created a business because we wanted to create a place that we wanted to work at. How's that working for you? And so that we can really understand who you are, where you're at, where you want to be and if the the fit might be there for us to help you get there uh so it's a free 45 minute car call where we work through that together uh but that's a really good first step for us that's great that is uh, an incredible uh starting point and for people out there that are thinking about that like this is a really great way to get in and, and get moving because you've got sort of a safe spot here to just dig in and see if it's the right fit. And that's really the key, right? We're all right. out here trying to help each other. We're all out here trying to see other business owners succeed. And, and I know there are bad people in the world. I get it. Hmm. But a majority of the business owners out there, we're all trying to help each other. We're all trying to yeah. see each other succeed because we know that's what's going on. So you guys got to head over and take advantage of it. If this is something that your team needs, if this is a direction that you know you need to go after you've, especially after listening today, 
go and schedule a consult and uh and yeah if nothing else you walk away with yeah free 45 minutes and hopefully a free plan to help you you know take the next right step if that's if it's not going to be a good fit for us and we'll invest that 45 minutes in you and and hopefully send you on your way well so we want to absolutely build value and give people that gift i love it man that's so generous and we appreciate it so much any last words for our audience before we uh, take off? I would, yeah, I would, I would just say that the time to be intentional about your business is now, you know, it's like kids. If you have kids, there's never a right time to have kids, <laughs> right? Like we're never prepared for that. And, and I would say the same is true for finding someone to help you be intentional about your business. I heard an interview with Brene Brown and Jim Collins, and both of them said, I've never met a transformational leader leading a great company that didn't have a coach and or therapist by their side. And right. we, we believe the same, we invest in the same as a company. Uh, but yeah, the time is now to be intentional about your business. I love it. That's really great guys. As usual, thank you for joining us today on the show. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate Zach for joining us and uh, we're super, super excited for you to get out and, actually go and do this if it's time for you you know it's calling to you you know it so go and take some action go check out the intention intention collective and uh don't forget until next time keep choreographing your business every day we'll see you guys on the next episode take care thanks for joining us today Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing operations and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.